Welcome to the first episode of Men With Fear. I am Kingpin Chaos, and joining me tonight, once again, is the one and only Andy Foggy Urquhart. How you doing, Foggy? (laughs) I'm fumbling my words and uh, trying to be awkward around women. (laughs) You know, you, you... well, first of all, this is the Daredevil podcast that we have been promising. The name is Men with Fear. Um, I was, as we said, you know, uh, we're going to try and do two episodes a week. And I watched the first two episodes. And, you know, I figured, you know, I, was, I, I had come up with the name Kingpin Chaos. But we really never got to see or hear the kingpin in the first two episodes. Yeah, we had them very briefly. But... Very briefly. And it was like, I, you know, I couldn't really get the tone of his voice down, the effect, or anything. So um, <laughs> hopefully by next week, maybe I'll even have it closer to kingpin. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually watch episode three once, but we were only covering the first two tonight. Andy showed a modicum of restraint. <laughs> And only made it through episode seven, so it, it wasn't it wasn't really it wasn't really even restrained. I just didn't have time to watch any more episodes because I was uh, I think I mentioned this. You, you were installing the floor. Yeah, How'd I was installing the floor. Yeah, it, it all went smoothly. Um, it took took a little bit longer than expected, but it's uh, it's all in. Um, just meant I had less time to watch Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, how is he going to install a floor and watch 13 episodes <laughs> of Daredevil? Uh, as my wife pointed out, you know, that's over half a day. It's like, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, I actually had a pretty cool Saturday away from the television set. And uh, yeah, it was Aaron Day today. And, I, you know, I did watch, like I said, the first two episodes twice. Yep. So um, and I'd watched one and two on Friday night, but literally passed out in the first one. And so, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I don't really, I can't see myself sitting down to watch 13 episodes of <laughs> anything 
back to back to back to back. Um, so anyways, Daredevil came out on Friday. Uh, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, be very careful because there are spoilers all over the place out there. Um, fortunately, most of my friends have been very good and just saying things like episode seven, OMG, or, uh, wow, that was awesome. Daredevil's the best series, you know, the, a superhero series done right. I want you to go check out Powers on the PlayStation because that's <laughs> right up there and the Flash is doing it well too. Um, Andy, uh, we're going to try and keep these shows to about an hour and a half and cover two pretty much hour-long episodes. Why don't we dig right into it with episode one? What was the first one called again? It was called Into the Ring. Yep. Which is obviously a reference to uh, Matt Murdock's dad, uh, Batlin Jack Murdock, who was a boxer. And Daredevil's foray into the ring of superheroes. Well, that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, anyways, where where do we start? So, yeah, we we kicked off with the uh, obligatory uh, aftermath of the blinding scene where where, uh, young Matt Murdock has pushed an old man out of the way of a truck, uh, saving his life, but ending up with getting shit in his eyes, which blinds him, and that's how he ends up to be blind. Uh, We then see grown-up Matt Murdock going to confession, basically to seek forgiveness for what he's about to do. I I love that. I love the whole... uh, Yeah, the confession was cool. Mm, But then he goes, well, I'm not looking for forgiveness for what I've done. (laughs) <laughs> it's for what I'm about to do. Yep. And the, the line that I liked in it was uh, uh, a line that his gran, I think it's, it was his, or his nan, said uh, to him, be careful of the Murdoch boys, they got the devil in them. <laughs> they got the devil in them. Yeah. You know, um, I haven't been to confession in decades, but, um, you know, uh, the whole thing about confessions is that they're anonymous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there he there he is blurting out his name, talking about his father, the boxer. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and this is a local priest. I mean, it doesn't take too much, you know, that he was probably going to for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. But the priest is, uh, it's uh, it's all confidential. It is all confidential, so he can't say anything. No, and we, we Jedi's don't go to confessional. <laughs> <laughs> May the fourth be with all. Um, but yeah. Uh, That's Avengers weekend, my friend. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Not for us, no, not for us. Fuck you! That's like two weeks after Avengers weekend. (laughs) But yeah, um, I had to rub it in. I know, I know. (laughs) But yeah, we then see um, down at the docks, um, some people traffickers are putting some screaming girls into a shipping container, as you do. Apparently, they're getting a thousand dollars a head for them from their buyer. Uh, one of the guys says to them, be quiet, you can have a bucket. Uh, be loud and you'll get tased. <laughs> uh, Daredevil shows up, however, just as they're about to shut the container, and he beats up all the thugs and frees the girls. Um, it's, it's, this is a really cool fight scene, including some like awesome bullet dodging and some really, really impressive throwing skills. It was good to get him out in the forefront and show him in action real quick. Mm-hmm. He is pretty agile. He's a lot more agile than what I thought he would be, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's some camera, uh, you know, there's some special effects going on there. But, uh, yeah, he, he did a great job. There's some great parkour, mm-hmm. mini parkour, uh, up the side of between two 
containers. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, the fight scenes in this show are probably one of the highlights. Yeah, the fight scenes are really well done. Like, and that this one was a, quite a short one, but it was it was just a sort of taste. It, yeah, the, and that's all it's supposed to be. Yep, and it's the it's obviously this is the pilot episode, which I would assume was shot before the other ones. Well, I mean, they knew how many they, they knew how many episodes they had mm. going in. I mean, you know, uh, Netflix ordered a thirteen episode series of Daredevil, so. I, th- I think it was all done at the same time. But, you know, I mean, it, it is the pilot episode. Everybody's hmm. just coming to grips with their characters, with working with each other and, you know, uh, learning the moves. Hmm. Yep. So, you know, it, but yeah, it was it was a great little here's Daredevil in action. Hmm. And, you know, in Daredevil time. Uh, it's really what it's not his first crime fighting mission, as we learn in episode two, but, uh, it is, you know, one of his, you know, it's like daredevil year one. Mm, Yep. So he's, he's still, you know, as, as we're going to see, he, he's still got a lot to learn about this hero gig. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, but yeah, um, uh, the next morning, Foggy, Foggy, Foggy calls Matt to remind him that they have to meet a real estate agent to sort out their law, their law offices. They, um, I thought the the ringtone was pretty good and actually quite clever because obviously he's blind. So exactly. if somebody phones him and he's got a normal ringtone, he's not gonna he's not gonna know who's calling him. He's every time he's gonna be like, oh, hello, who is it? Well, you so, heard the caller ID in my house go off when we yeah. recorded a few <laughs> times. One of them had you bursting into. Uh, bursting out laughing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say it because it was just so vile. <laughs> I think it was before we started to record, fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I think you and I couldn't stop laughing for about 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, it's standard these days. I mean, yes, you can have voice color ID. I have it, I'm not blind. At least I don't think I am sometimes. Uh, I don't know. Reading stuff on computer screens gets tougher every day. Um, But, you know, yeah, that's, you know, I I understood why it was doing that, though. Because, A, he's blind, and, yeah, so you just set it for, you know, you have those settings on your phone. Yep. Anybody can do it. I was curious as to how he managed to set that up on his phone. Like oh come have... on! <laughs> he, must, he must have got Foggy to do it for him, or the guy yeah, in the Apple Store. Yeah, exactly. One of those geniuses, the Lennies, as I like <laughs> to call them. <laughs> but yeah, um, Foggy. Ask him about the rabbits, George. <laughs> yeah, Foggy has to uh, go bribe a cop, who it turns out is his his longtime friend. Um, he keeps giving the guy. I can't, I didn't catch this guy's name, but he keeps giving the guy's mum cigars. I think her name was Bess. Bess. Yeah, um, and the cops going to basically throw them some cases of uh, people that come in, <laughs> they get arrested. <laughs> so um, they 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 go to look at this office, and the office they're looking at was apparently barely untouched by the incident, which is uh, what they're referring to as the uh, is actually the Battle of New York, which uh, apparently almost wiped Hell's Kitchen off the map. <laughs> A couple of them are just calling it the incident, 
Like, uh, oh, it was like somebody tripped and fell. <laughs> like, no, no, yeah. it was a massive, massive alien attack on the city. <laughs> hey, you know, it's you got the spin doctors had to go to work, man. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, apparently the the navels of this building weren't so lucky, and uh, their bones were worse damaged and haven't uh, haven't been put back into circulation yet. Uh, apparently, the Hell's Kitchen is on the rebound and. Matt and Foggy decide to take the lease on the on the building. Well, Matt decides, and Foggy just kind of follows his lead, as as he seems to do throughout these two episodes. Yeah, to an extent. <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt and Foggy are kind of conflicted on the clients as well. Um, Matt basically wants to defend only innocent people, but uh, Foggy's like, "Well, people are innocent until they're proven guilty." <laughs> but yeah, Matt Matt can kind of tell when people are innocent and when they're guilty by. Uh, listening to how they talk and whatnot which we see yes because they do get a call from the cop that they bribed yep they they will get that call um elsewhere however first of all we see some cops kicking in a door and uh, they find this woman holding a knife covered in blood kneeling over a man's body and she claims that she didn't do it (laughs) don't they all yeah i know it's an open shut case (laughs) yep you have the, the you have the bloody knife with both of your DNA on it in your hand. <laughs> He's dead on your floor. You are covered in his blood. Come on. Yep. It's shut and dry. You've yeah. uh, you Okay, sorry, cut and dry. <laughs> you have killed that man. You will go to jail for that. But yeah, um we then see Matt and Foggy settling into their new office and Foggy's Foggy. Uh, Foggy's cop friend calls them and gives them this woman's case. And they obviously gladly accept it because they don't have any other clients. Now, um, we then see Foggy and Matt arriving at the precinct and they talk to the woman whose name is Karen Page. Uh, they talk to her in a holding cell. Uh, they convince the cops to uncuff her and let them speak to her alone. Uh, Foggy goes through the incident. Basically, she was found over the body of a man named Daniel Fisher and she's the only suspect and whatnot. Um, <laughs> I also mentioned that Nelson and Murdoch are aggressively pursuing new clients, having been practicing law for, oh, say, uh, seven hours now. <laughs> I love the interchange between the two of them here. They, the, the rhythm was right. The, you know, they, they felt like they were longtime friends. Yep. And so it, it worked well. Um, I, I, I like the interaction between uh, Matt and Foggy. They, they seem to do very well together. Yeah, I'm. I'm not 100% convinced of of Foggy yet. Certainly, in these first two episodes, you can kind of tell that he's there for a bit of the comic relief, um, and that he's he's definitely not as good an actor as uh, Charlie Cox. Uh, all right, I'll like give I'll give that to. I mean, but Foggy had, was always kind of the foil in Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he he was his Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, <laughs> to uh, just to uh, try for a comparison, I mean his name's Foggy for Christ's sake. I mean <laughs> yeah. uh, you're not, you never really took him seriously. He was Matt's law partner and best friend. Yep. So, um, yeah, he's he's kind of there for comic relief, but. Uh, while, uh, while we see a little bit more of him, especially in episode two, um, he's, I mean, he's playing the part the way it's supposed to be played, I think. I I just thought, especially in this first episode, his delivery of some of the lines could have been a little bit better. 
But that, that's me nitpicking a wee bit. I, yeah, I think it is you getting nitpicky. And once again, it is the pilot. Everybody was still just growing into the character. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, Karen Page has uh, no money to pay them, and uh, Foggy instantly wants to leave. But Matt has other ideas, so Foggy stays. <laughs> uh, apparently, Karen and Daniel both worked for Union Allied Construction, and they went for a few drinks after work, and the next thing she remembers is waking up covered in his blood. Uh, Daniel is the guy, yep. like, that, the, the body on the floor. Yes. Um, Matt listens to her heartbeat. Uh, well, she's telling well, she's telling him about this, and he believes her when she claims not to have killed him, because uh, her uh, her heartbeat isn't elevated and whatnot, and she's not lying. Basically, he works out she's not lying. He does the lie detector test on her. He's mm-hmm. the human lie detector. Um, yes. Then we then see a man in a suit sitting down next to a stranger who is eating his lunch at an outdoor chess table, <laughs> and the guy says to him, uh, "Plenty of room over there. Do you mind?" And the guy just re- the guy in the suit replies to him twenty eight thousand nine hundred and fifty seven. <laughs> I was like, this is a weird <laughs> change. But yeah, apparently uh, this guy owes somebody called uh, Regaletto some money. Uh, apparently Regaletto is uh, is retired, but the man in the suit's boss has now acquired his books. Um, the guy who was eating his lunch says he'll get his money, but the dude in the suit wants to show the guy something on his tablet now. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the thing on the tablet is it's the, a live video feed of the man's daughter being watched by one of the associates of the suit, whose name is Mr. Rant or Mr. Rants, who has apparently some very unpleasant methods. <laughs> right. Now, uh, the suit's employer doesn't care about the money, but the man's position is something that they can work with. And we do not know what the man's position was at this point. Um, Foggy and Matt then discuss Karen's case back at the offices. Uh, Foggy wants to strike a deal to get her a reduced sentence. Basically, that is the best option that they have because, like we said, this is a cut and dry case. Um, they can all they can hope for is to get some sort of deal for her to get a reduced sentence. And I don't, I don't know if they have the death penalty in uh, New York, but <laughs> she. I don't think they no, I don't do. Think. I, th- I don't think New York has the death penalty, nope. but. But she would be looking at like life or close to it in, in prison for a murder like that. And they're hoping to get her reduced to like 15 to 20 years. And that she'll at least have some life left when she gets out. But um, Matt, however, wants to prove her innocence. <laughs> Which Foggy's like, what? What are you talking about, you crazy man? But yeah, um, Matt also feels that there's something not quite right about the case. He's just got this sort of gut feeling about it. And... Um, Foggy reckons that the fact that Karen is attractive is clouding his judgment. <laughs> New York does not have the death penalty. Okay. <laughs> and um, Matt is like, well, how would I know? <laughs> like, I'm blind. How would I know she's attractive? And do you know, in this, especially in this first episode, I thought that Karen was not attractive. At all. No, no. <laughs> but she had been crying. Yep. She had big puffy eyes. It was like, uh, you know, she had been out all night, pr- roofied or something to that effect. <laughs> And uh, wakes up with a knife in her hand and uh, a dead friend on the floor. Yep. So, you know, um, yeah, it wasn't she wasn't looking that hot at that point. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> like on the on the, on the after when, when he said that, I was like, what is he talking about? She's a, she is a munter. <laughs> <laughs> a munter is an ugly person. <laughs> OK. It's a Scottish slang for ugly person. 
Okay, a munter. A munter, yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I thought it was quite funny if you saying that. But yeah, anyway, um, Foggy says, uh, if there's an attractive woman with questionable character in the room, Matt Murdock is going to find her and Foggy Nelson is going to suffer. <laughs> Which I thought, I thought was great. And that was obviously pertaining back to some incidents of them probably in college. Yep. Now, uh, Foggy, Foggy eventually agrees to back him, but he points out that they need another suspect because there's nobody else that could be blamed for this mother at this point. Um, Foggy reckons that even if uh, Karen is innocent, she might not be telling them the whole truth. We then cut to um, a cell where we see an officer, which I believe was the guy whose daughter had been watched by the suit's associate. Uh, yes, that's yes. confirmed. Yep. Um, it was hard to tell because it was kind of like, it was really shadowy. <laughs> Second time through, I can confirm it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he's he's uh, trying to strangle Karen using a bed sheet. Um, he's, while he's doing it, he says he's sorry. So, obviously, he's only doing this to clear his debt with the guy. And, or, and so that they don't kill his daughter as well. Which you can kind of understand, and you can sympathize with him a little bit, but it's still not cool to murder people <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, think? Yeah. But yeah, um, the guy says he's sorry, and uh, Karen manages to reach up and gouge, uh, gouge in one of his eyes. I don't know if she quite managed to pull his eye out, but she certainly drew blood anyway, and uh, that, that made him lose his grip, which allowed her to uh, scream for help. Uh, we then see uh, Foggy and Matt discussing these events with two other cops in the precinct, and they demand that their client be released. Um, apparently, the security cameras went on the fritz just before this attempted murder. Uh, one of the cops is really quite annoyed at the tone that Matt uses with him as well um, when he tells him to uh, release the client. And the guy says to him, I don't care if you're blind, I'll kick the shit out of you. <laughs> if he ever uses that tone with him again. He was a little bit of a pissy little bitch, I thought. I mean, um, while I understand, you know, I mean, uh, I I deal with lawyers quite a bit, as you know. Um, You know, uh, they are there for the benefit of their client. Their, you know, their purpose is to defend the rights of their client. Uh, their client has now been uh, – they attempted to murder their client while in police custody by a policeman. I think they have a bit of – you know, they're able to uh, – I mean, they're entitled to their attitude. Yeah, I would say so. Yep. <laughs> I mean, the fact that she wasn't released already was a bit ridiculous. <laughs> Well, no. I mean, I don't think it's that ridiculous. I mean, they had uh, kept her over the 24-hour limit. But, uh, you know, there are protocols. There, You know, you just don't open the, the, the cell and say, okay, you're free. <laughs> There's probably paperwork involved. There's people that yeah. need to be contacted. Um, this was... You know, a, not not only do you have a a murder with, uh, where you're releasing the suspect who had the knife in her hand, <laughs> standing o- kneeling over the body, um, but you also have uh, now this in you know internal incident that is going to uh, you know that can have serious ramifications, 
from you know loss you know like uh foggy was threatening a lawsuit yep. um all of these things you know need to be sorted out and you just don't you just don't pop a killer free or a suspected killer free mm, yeah so um i so i understand both sides mm. but the cop uh getting all pissy about uh matt's defense of his client was a little uh a little over the top yeah that guy it's was a, a dick cop a dick, versus yeah. a dick attorney I think. <laughs> yeah, and I think then so. you know so there's just a lot of dicking going on here. <laughs> it's too much dicking too much dicking <laughs> yeah so moving on from too much dicking um matt thinks that the ada had too much evidence and uh, they didn't want to release it all um which they would have had to if they had charged Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, if she had hung herself in her cell, that all goes away. So th- he reckons that that's the reason why they didn't charge her. Um, Karen goes with Matt and Foggy to their offices, and she tells them, um, she tells them why she thinks somebody is trying to kill her. Um, it's basically because she works in the finest department of Union Ally, who have been who have apparently been raking and rebuilding the city since the Battle of New York. Um, she sent. An email. She was sorry. She was sent an email containing a file called uh, P- Pension Master, um, which had some really funny-looking numbers in it. Uh, that the numbers were uh, basically being constantly adjusted, going in and out, which was a lot of money. And um, she, she seemed to think that somebody was embezzling, uh, embezzling cash using the pension fund. Now, um, she she uh, made the mistake of taking it to her boss, who's uh, Mr. McClintock, and he told her that it was just a theoretical model, and they were just screwing around with it, but she didn't believe him. So she'd asked Daniel to meet her, and um, he apparently works in the legal department, um, and she'd asked him to meet her at the bar to talk about it. And she reckons that she was drugged and framed for his murder. Um, she gets a little bit upset at, at this point when, when they start asking her some more questions and it's decided that she'll stay with Matt tonight. As as you do. <laughs> as uh, all the attractive women wants to stay with the blind man. <laughs> well, I mean, he offered and yeah. it was it was a little, hmm. You know, that... It's a little odd. You know, uh, my we never had clients stay at my house growing up. <laughs> And, you know, she was found, once again, she was found kneeling over a dead body with a bloody knife. (laughs) Not the type of person I usually want to have a slumber party with. No, possibly not. But, I mean, Matt believes that she's innocent, so he he must, he doesn't feel that she's uh, she's any danger to him. Plus, he's fucking daredevil, so if she tried to beat him up, (laughs) then he'd be like, And I I understand all that, but I mean it's I mean she doesn't she doesn't know him either. No, that's true. <laughs> but I think that's a whole like trusting thing because he's because he is blind. Like he he doesn't seem as much of a threat to her as other people might be at that point. Because obviously she yeah, provided she is telling the truth at this point. She feels very unsafe, especially going to going to her own apartment. She doesn't want to be alone, and she doesn't want to go back to her own house or anything like that. So it's kind of kind of makes sense for her to go back with him. It's a stretch. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a stretch, but she agrees. She's a slut. You know? <laughs> well, I don't know, but yeah. Um, so they go back to uh, Matt's apartment, and uh, 
she comments about how it's dark in here. <laughs> Obviously, he doesn't notice because yeah. he's blind and he presumably doesn't even use the light switches. <laughs> but he doesn't know where they are. Um, she she says to him basically, "Oh, I don't want to put you out of your bed. Um, I'll I'll sleep on the couch." And he's like, "Well, you probably don't want to sleep on the couch because <laughs> just outside his uh, apartment window." is a massive video billboard uh, advertising uh, Zinning Airways, which seems to illuminate his living room 24-7. So he lets her stay in the bedroom and he will sleep in the living room because obviously he isn't going to see that billboard. Right. Now, um, there, is an, uh, there is an easy solution to the billboard. Uh, it's called Blackout Blinds. <laughs> <laughs> but not that he would need, not that he would need uh, it. Uh, he needs them. No, <laughs> he's, got, he's got blackout eyes. <laughs> but yeah, um... Karen uh, changes out of her wet t-shirt into one of uh, Matt's shirts, and she does it like right in front of him. Obviously, knowing he's blind, she's like, "Yeah, just strip off in front of you," <laughs> which I thought was quite weird. But because you would think that even though you know he's blind, you would yeah. still kind of turn your back to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we do get side boob. Yeah, <laughs> the all-important side boob. Yep. You ain't gonna see that in any Marvel's Agents of Shield. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> We'd like to, and we certainly recommend that they pop, pop a little of that in. But <laughs> yeah, we maybe, do get side boob. Maybe, maybe Sky can come over to Daredevil and have a there fling we with go. Daredevil. Yep, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, um, Matt answers uh, Karen's questions about his blindness. Uh, no, he hasn't always been blind, and when he combs his hair, he just kind of hopes for the best, as we all do. And uh, he says he'd give he'd give anything to see the sky one more time, even though he's he's basically adjusted his his life now to be so that he can manage well when he's blind, right. and he manages very well indeed. <laughs> he is uh, far better <laughs> at a lot of things than uh, people that can see. And uh, Karen then tells him a few more details. Uh, basically, uh, sorry, well, Matt works out that somebody was trying to discredit her. Um, that's why that's why they tried to frame her rather than actually killing her. Then, when the lawyers had showed up and whatnot, and the, uh, they decided that they would uh, try and kill her instead. Now, um, Matt thinks that the only reason they would have tried to discredit her is that if she had something that they wanted, i.e. the union allied pension file. But when he asks her about it, she tells him that she doesn't have it anymore. Um, however, he is listening intently to her heartbeat at that point, um, and it quickens, so obviously she's lying. However, he doesn't push it any further. He's just like, okay, that's fine. Uh, we then see a scene over at Union Allied Construction, um, at a construction site, <laughs> um, high up, and it is apparently very cold. <laughs> uh, we see a meeting between two Russian men, an American man, a Japanese man whose name is Nobu, and a Chinese woman whose name is Madame Gao. Uh, the man in the suit from earlier arrives. Uh, apparently he's standing in for his employer who sends his apologies for his absence. And uh, apparently we don't say his name. No. We do not say his name, so we shall not say his name. <laughs> the uh, the Russians were apparently... <laughs> <laughs> the Russians were apparently short on their uh, tolls because of the man in the mask uh, freeing their cargo and whatnot. Um, earlier on the episode... And uh, the, the American guy here, who I believe is the money man, um, he's, he's got a great little line and he says that uh, heroes and their consequences are why we have our current opportunities. And he's obviously referring to the destruction after the uh, the battle in New York and yep. how they're able to embezzle all this money through these construction companies and 
and all of that that's going on. Um, they they work out between the four of them that the union allied the union allied situation is being dealt with uh, promptly. <laughs> uh, back in Matt's apartment, uh, Karen waits until Matt is asleep and then sneaks out. However, he is not really sleeping, and he opens his eyes as soon as she leaves. Now, she goes back to her apartment and retrieves a flash drive with the pension file stored on it from a vent in her bathroom, which is probably the first place that anybody would look for it <laughs> if you were looking for people having hidden stuff in their house. You look in the vents. Yeah. I, yeah. You look in yeah. the drawers, and then you look in the vents. <laughs> now, the best place I always found to hide things was you pull the drawer out, you know, if it was something small like that. Yep. And you put it on the ledge where uh, that the shelf runs on. Mm-hmm, yep. You you put it there. People people never find things there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just 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 you know. I was a sneaky kid. What can I say? <laughs> I think there's a story there, but we'll we'll leave it for another time. That's where I used to hide my cigarettes. Oh, all right. That's okay. <laughs> it's not too illicit. <laughs> but yeah, a um. So a man lying in wait grabs her from behind and he throws her to the floor. He takes the flash drive off of her and pulls a knife. And he's about to kill her when Daredevil appears. Uh, the two of them fight, um, which isn't as it wasn't as good a fight as the Elrond fight. Uh, the two of them fight a wee bit and they eventually fall out of a window into the street. We then cut to a flashback uh, to young Matt sleeping at his kitchen table from his homework. His dad comes home from a fight badly beaten and wakes him up, uh, tells him to finish off his homework and uh, Matt kind of feels his dad's face and feels his injuries. And we hear his dad, dad say, uh, come on, Matty, get to work. And present day day level uh, gets up just in time to defend himself from the attacker who has also recovered from the fall. Uh, Daredevil breaks the attacker's arm and eventually uses a chain to tie him up. And takes, this is a better fight scene. Yeah, much better. Yeah, it was it, especially the bit where uh, they're fighting and the guy picks up the knife again and they go slow motion. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was really cool that bit. And the way they would intersperse the slow motion, you'd go from regular time to slow mo back to regular time, and maybe even a little quick time to uh, on top of that. Yeah. Uh, and it it just uh, you know it was a great way to show that. He's not technically he is normal, but uh, that, you know, he is a skilled fighter. Yeah. With uh, above normal human fighting skills. Yep. Probably on Batman level. Yeah. Yeah. If we wanted to put Batman year one. Um, Yeah. He's not uh, he's not Captain America. Like he's not super strong or anything like that. But he is, uh, he he has like honed himself to the peak of human uh, human capabilities, basically, yep. with, without adding any additional like drugs or anything like that. Right. And he he's he's very well trained, and obviously, like he's got his uh, sort of. I mean, you can kind of call it super hearing and like super smell and stuff like that. But these things are just enhanced because he has lost his sense of sight. No, they're enhanced, and you know they they haven't talked about the radar sense yet, and I don't know if they will, mm. but um, you know they kind of need to because obviously uh, him getting around the city and being able to you know like parkour like he did, or you know, at most of his actions, 
you know, he doesn't have, he, unless he's playing the Matt Murdock part, he doesn't have a cane and he doesn't have a seeing eye dog. Uh, <laughs> eventually you're going to have to explain how, uh, he's able to be, you know, be able to do this. Um, you know, oh, it's, I, predict I just... a punch, you know, block a punch, dodge a punch. Um, you know, and yes, the hearing is part of it, Andy, but I mean, he does have radar. I mean, the idea is he does have a radar sense and they just haven't, uh, discussed that or brought it up in the three episodes that I've seen. Hmm. So, and you're not allowed to say whether or not they mention it go any uh, <laughs> further beyond that. But um, they, so he he does, he is an enhanced human. He belongs on the list. If <laughs> going, yeah, definitely. going back to S.H.I.E.L.D. Because the radiation did, you know, A, heighten his uh, remaining senses. You know, the Daredevil in the comic books doesn't read Braille. Unless he, ha- you know, just un- unless he's playing the part, because he can read, he can read normal print, uh, just from the indentations on on the paper. Yeah. So, uh, you know, all all of his nor- remaining senses are enhanced, but at the sa- at the same time, he also has this radar sense, which is what gives him the ability to to fight at this level. That probably even Batman couldn't fight at, technically. Daredevil versus Batman. That would be a good fight. You know, without the utility belt. Yeah. You know, let's gadgets, let's yeah. let's get the utility belt out there. Let's leave the little boy boy, boy toy at home too. <laughs> and Batman versus Daredevil, Devil Mono a Mono. I think my money's on Daredevil. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be a, it would be a close fight. That I think. That'd be an interesting Trust one. me, I like Batman a hell of a lot more than <laughs> I like Daredevil. But, you know, apples to apples, you know, he has the ability to set, uh, you can't say predict, but sense and know, you know, where where punches are coming, trajectory, all that, and is able to, you know, able to dodge, block, and counter. Yeah, he is that little bit more agile than Batman as well. Yeah, yep. <laughs> But yeah, so um, Daredevil breaks the attacker's arm and eventually uses a chain to tie him up. Uh, he takes the flash drive from the guy and he promises uh, Karen that he'll get it into the right hands. Now, uh, Karen says that oh, they can't trust the police. Uh, Daredevil says, then we'll tell everyone. And he dumps the attacker and an envelope, presumably containing the flash drive and a note and whatnot, on the steps of a newspaper. Now, A, I didn't see what the paper was, whether or not it was the Daily Bugle or not. Uh no, um, well, the ne- we do see a shot of the next morning's uh, headline, which is in the New York Bulletin. Okay. Um, which I was quite sad that it wasn't the Daily Bugle, but I would assume that they didn't have the Spider-Man deal worked out at this point. No, because this episode had already come... Well, they, they were showing scenes... When I went to New York Comic Con, which was October, mm. they were showing parts of episode two. Yep. They were showing uh, scenes filmed with Claire, so um, as well as the fight in the alleyway there. Hmm. Um, so no, and the uh, Spider-Man deal didn't happen until Janu- late January, February. So I think it happened just before I left for San Antonio. Hmm. Yep. So, um, so yes, they didn't have it then, but. Uh, 
there was something I was going to say. Oh, the brutality of these fight scenes needs to be emphasized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But between the first one, you know, he, he's snapping limbs. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I each time I flinched. <laughs> so, yep. You know, it was like, oh, <laughs> you know, you, you have the you have the cool kung fu karate stuff. But then there's the, you know, that finishing move, mm. more or less. <laughs> I was like, oh, but I mean, this is very the whole series is very raw. Yes. And you know, I, it's definitely reflective of the Daredevil comics. And I don't you wouldn't have been able to get away with this on a network TV show, would you? No. I didn't. I didn't think so. Man, may, maybe on you know HBO. Mm. Maybe I suppose yeah, they've got Game of Thrones on there. <laughs> well, yeah, um, maybe on TNT or one of the you know like the AMC with The Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, the, you know their uh, what they show is certainly more. You know, and I've seen some pretty graphic. Uh, scenes and even some partial nudity on, you know, sci-fi, on uh, TNT, on USA. You know, they are allowed to get away with more because they are a cable channel, not a broadcast channel. Yeah. So the standard is set different for them. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think you could have gotten away with it on USA or TNT or something like that. Because yeah. if you ever watch the Americans, there's there's been some gruesome scenes in there, <laughs> and, and and some good. Uh, oh, what's it? Never mind. Move on. <laughs> yeah. So um, the next one we do see uh, the newspaper headline, which is in the New York Bulletin. Uh, the headline is uh, "Union Alloyed Corruption Scandal," and we see the guy in the suit telling uh, his boss of the arrangements that he's made to take make the incident go away. Now, we don't see his boss at this point. He's just talking to him through an intercom, by the looks of it, in the back of his... I don't know if it's a... Speakerphone. Or, or a speakerphone or whatever, however it is he's doing it. But we certainly do not see his boss at this point. Right. Uh, he mentions that um, McClintock is already dead, who was the guy that was Karen's boss. And... Uh, the uh, the suit the guy in the suit's boss uh, tells the guy in the suit that the woman is to be left alone as everything she knows is already in the papers. Uh, the guy in the suit is told to start a file, however, on Nelson and Murdoch, as they might be useful later on. <laughs> and we then see Karen and Karen making foggy dinner. Uh, sorry, Karen making foggy and Matt dinner to say thanks for helping her out. Uh, she offers to work for them for free. And to help them clean the place up. And Matt asks, if, is this place messy? <laughs> that was hilarious. Because <laughs> obviously he, he wouldn't really know. <laughs> you know? No. It's pretty funny. Um, we then see Matt going to the gym to train. And we, we have this sort of training montage, as you do, where, where we cut in and out of uh, Matt punching a punch bag. Well, we just needed, like, the hair band. <laughs> yeah. The 80s hair band, you know. <laughs> I need a montage. <laughs> But, everybody uh, needs a montage. Everybody yeah. needs a montage. <laughs> and in between, like seeing Matt punching this punch bag, uh, we see the American guy from the meeting uh, clicking and clicking and clicking, moving money around, um, embezzling the money for for the people. We see the uh, the policeman slash security guard guy who tried to kill Karen earlier, 
is uh, he is found having shot himself in the head. Uh, the guy that attacked uh, Karen earlier in the episode has apparently hung himself in his cell. And we also see um, Madame Gao observing a load of people, a load of workers uh, processing drugs for her. Now, they, I, I wasn't 100% sure if they were blind or not. Because like, they had like marks on their eyes, all of them. I you know, the, I had actually fallen asleep my first time through at this point. Because mm. um, <laughs> apparently my wife's asked because i mean they're using like uh shovels like if you're putting in small plants in your garden Mm -hmm. um yeah scoops scoops, whatever you want to call it uh to to shovel this white substance and i guess she go she had uh asked me uh is that cocaine and all she got was So that whole scene I had missed the first time through. Um, yes, I think all of the workers in that place have been blinded. Yep. I think, uh, yes, that was cocaine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was weird. But I mean, this is the Ch- you know Chinese mob. Mm-hmm. They're not nice people from what I understand. I've never really dealt with the Chinese mob that much, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, that's not an that that's one old lady I don't want to screw with. Yeah, and a Chinese mob. If you are listening, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes. Yes, <laughs> and, and we need to keep our eyes; otherwise, we can't keep doing these shows. I I, I could I could do this show blind. <laughs> Yeah, you're foggy, not Matt, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Andy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, so we saw her um, observing the people uh, processing the drugs, and I, I thought it was quite interesting because we hadn't had any indication really of uh, the drug trade. So it's just to show you that there's bad shit going on in Hell's Kitchen, really bad shit. And um, we also see no- Nobu, who is the uh, Japanese man from the meeting earlier on, um, outlining his plans for rebuilding the kitchen. Uh, to his associates. Now, I, I don't know if you had a close look at this scene here, but I think that he is a member of the uh, the hand. The hand? Yes, the hand. That would make sense. Although, I don't know if Marvel has the rights to the hand. Yeah, I think they do, because they're all tied in with... Uh, they're tied in with Daredevil and Elektra and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And with Spider-Man... Uh, but they're also tied in with Wolverine, and I think that's where they originate. I, I would have to check that. Yeah. But um, and the way that they they kind of showed the map and that, and it was like he kind of had a focal point in it. Yeah, in the middle there was yeah. some type of, and I'm I'm using the word I'm using Hydra as just a placeholder. There was some type of. Hydra-like symbol in the center. It could have been the hand, whatever. But oh, I, I, re- I don't know. I, I think that was probably more likely um, Japanese writing. But um, I think that this could be like an indication of. Uh, sh- I don't know if you've ever read Shadowland. Uh, no, no. But um, it's basically that the hand built this massive pagoda-based thing in uh, the middle of New York and uh, okay. they, they called it Shadowland and it was all like uh, centered around Daredevil. Okay. And it was it was a really cool series. Well well worth reading for anybody that is uh, enjoying the Daredevil series. And um, we also see uh, the 
the guy from the beginning of the episode who Daredevil had beaten up, uh, buying some new guns and uh, looking. Uh, he looks quite happy with himself buying these guns, even though he's been uh, he's had the absolute shit beaten out of him. And it's we new then, guns, yeah, new guns, woo! And we then see uh, the Russian guys beating up a man and kidnapping his child, as all bad Russians do. Now, I had a question for you here, um, and this, yep, yeah, this is my second time through. Is that was that man and his child of any significance or connected to anything else, or did they just randomly pick some guy, beat him up, and take his child? I think that pretty sure they just randomly <laughs> picked a guy, beat him up, okay. and took his child. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't see it. Like you do in New York. Yeah, yeah, why not? Well, I mean, uh, we then see a daredevil observing the city and hearing and hearing this child cry out and uh, jump off the building to go and save the child. And pulling down his mask over yeah. his eyes. And, yeah. And that's the end of episode one. Yeah, that's the end of episode one. And um, what did you think of episode one? Well, like I said, I did fall asleep in it, mm-hmm. um, but I think that was more me than the episode. I had worked all day. I had long ride home from work, went out to dinner, was fat and happy, and <laughs> sat down on the couch. And you know, next next thing I know, it's yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was probably going to happen no matter what you you put on. You could have put porn on, and I probably would have <laughs> out like a light. Um, I did wake, you know, uh, I did wake up and we started episode two, mm-hmm. but uh, in turn, uh, watching it a second time, I did appreciate it more. A um, little slow, but A, it's the pilot. B, you know, they're developing a character that I already know is backstory. You know, um I've re- you know I've read the comic book for thirty years, what have you? Um, so I know all the people. I know all you know what all the you know all the highlights, hmm. and so it's sort of this is the episode to catch the non-comic book people up. Yep. Uh, you know, at as a, and like I said, I'm not a Daredevil fan, but as somebody who has read a lot of Daredevil and understand the character, um, I still think the series is very dark. Mm-hmm, yeah. A little too dark. Uh, I thought the fight scenes and the choreography of those was fantastic. I really want the red suit. Mm-hmm. Um, because right now he's this guy in you know uh, a black uh t-shirt and black jeans and with a <laughs> with a ski ma- a black ski mask in the dark it doesn't you know uh, there's not enough contrast there um so th- yeah those were the things that hit me and it was okay it was an all right first episode i mean i was reading things during the day from IGN about how this is the best uh, superhero pilot ever mm. and it's like uh, so uh, had me curious but uh, after watching it I was like yeah yeah like I said I fall asleep but you know I watched it again um, it was alright what did you think Um, I, I'd like to on my first view and um, after watching it again I, I, like, uh, like I said earlier I, I did start to pick up some of the the flaws and whatnot, and it, like I wasn't totally convinced by Foggy. Um, 
I do, however, really like Charlie Cox as um, Matt Murdock and as Daredevil. He is really quite good at playing both parts, which is something that Ben Affleck never managed. So, no, he, uh, Charlie Cox is doing an awesome job. He is. Yep, I, I like his delivery, mm-hmm. uh, his rhythm, his you know uh, the way he speaks. Uh, you you know you believe he's speaking. He's not speaking lines. He is, you know, actually saying these things, and uh, it comes off as believable. And you know, I mean, Foggy is kind of a throwaway character in the comic book. So, you know, he he's there. He's there as a foil. He's there to so that Daredevil has somebody to speak to. Mm. Um, and to, and to flesh out his civilian life. Yeah. And that was kind of, that was kind of the feeling I got from this whole episode. Um, almost after having seen episode two, I, I, I questioned the need for this episode at all, to be honest, other than to introduce Karen. Because everything else is really covered again in episode two, which was kind of yeah. weird. And we might as well get into that. But I mean, you had to, you had to set up the plot. You had to set up uh, how they met Karen. You had, you know, you had to bring her into uh, the firm. Mm-hmm. You had to set up uh, the storyline, which is something with United Alliance or whatever they're called, Allied United, uh, and just get that mo- moving forward. Uh, one thing that I think they probably did wrong was. We don't see the kingpin in the first two episodes, and no. we might as well use that as our segue into episode two. No, I would I would agree with you. They they tried to make him a kind of shadowy figure, um, in, in these first two episodes, which was a bit silly considering they already showed him in the trailers. Like, and everybody that is well, I do imagine most people that are going to be watching this show have seen at least one trailer for it, mm-hmm. and most of the trailers showed the kingpin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they heard him speaking and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, to leave him totally shadowy and like, oh, we don't know who it is, is a bit. Mm. But I guess it sets up the anticipation for when he does finally show up. But see, that th- that's the problem with this. This, yeah, you know, I was listening to IGN today, and they were talking about uh, the pros and cons of the Netflix model of crapping all the episodes out at once. Mm-hmm. In which, you know, you know, a you can have it, and but you don't. One of the things that you don't have is that build up from week to week. It, you know, why have a cliffhanger? The next episode's already available. Well, you, now, like, I mean, if you wanted to watch it week to week, you, you could. You you could, but I mean, it's already there. Why, you know, uh, <laughs> no, you're not be, going yeah. to. <laughs> um, and the fact that you know, if there is a season two, which I suspect there will be, um, we're going to have to wait. In this case, at least a year, if not three, uh, for season two of Daredevil. Mm. I mean, I can't remember what I did last week, let alone uh, a year a year ago. So, yeah, I. So I don't know this. You know, having them all available all at once. Well, it's great that yes, you can binge watch. You, but why set up a cliffhanger? And they really didn't, so far, or uh, build quote unquote anticipation when that episode is already available for you. 
Yeah, you know, I, I like the uh, the Netflix model of doing that. They just dump all the episodes and you can watch them as you please. You might watch one episode, you might watch five. Like, it's entirely up to you. And uh, I'd rather do that than have to wait week to week for uh, for the episodes to come out. Cause, like, yeah, but say, you're an impatient Scotsman. Yeah, you're all impatient. Totally. <laughs> I know that. But, and, you know, the, this is kind of the, the, the generation gap between you and I. <laughs> In that, you know, hell, I remember when, you know, we didn't even have DVRs. You know, if you weren't home at uh, 8 o'clock on Thursday night, hey, sorry, you're going to have to wait for that episode of The Cosby Show in summer reruns, you know. Uh, or, yeah, or the no, Flash. I remember this as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the reason I didn't watch the original Flash series was I think I had just graduated college, and it was on on Friday nights at 8. Mm. <laughs> I got a lot better things than to watch The Flash on Friday nights at 8 when, <laughs> when I was 22. Um, so, you know, things like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, that it's just that's the you know, that's how I was used to television. And I, obviously you were to an extent. Um, and, you know, this is all, quote unquote, new. It's only been, what, a year or two that Netflix has been really doing this. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, for in some, you know, if all the episodes of Agents of Shield were available, you know, in September, I would spend a weekend watching it. Mm, yep. But then I would be really pissed that I would have to wait until next September for the for uh, the next episode. Yeah, well, I mean, I think doing it the way that Marvel's doing it. It's probably the smart thing to do where you've got syndicated shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that are on every week. And then you've got things like uh, Daredevil as well to prop them up. And you've, we've obviously got Agent Carter and the S.H.I.E.L.D. breaks. Um, I, th- I reckon that Marvel as a whole, if you consider the Marvel Cinematic Universe as one entity uh-huh. and they've got all these different branches, having shows like pop up like this on Netflix is, is definitely... The, a good move and um, again it gives you more uh it gives you more limelights for your uh for your movies and whatnot and obviously we've got age of ultron coming out very mm-hmm. very, very soon and then you've got Agents shield which um i think they could do with tying a few more things and certainly to to Agents of shield now we will get a little bit of that in episode two Okay, well, and let's get into that because we have less than we have about a half hour yeah so um getting into episode two uh, we, see, which is called uh, Cut Man. Yep. Now we see um, Dale Devil in a dumpster being found by a guy who runs off. Uh, this guy comes back with uh, Rosario Dawson, <laughs> which uh, is probably about the best you could hope for if you were uh, lying in a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, so they uh, they carry Dale Devil into her apartment and. She sends the guy away, telling him not to tell anyone about this, and she starts to treat the other's wounds. Uh, she notices no response when she shines the light in his eyes. She uh, tries to call, uh, I think it was for an ambulance, but uh, the other stops her. Um, apparently the man who did this would kill everyone in the hospital to get to him. Uh, the other then makes him leave, but collapses. He is too badly wounded. And we see a flashback here where uh, young Matt watches his dad's fight on the TV. And this is before he is blinded. And he... No, was, I don't think... I think it no, was. definitely before he was blinded. He, he was... Okay. It, it, especially later on in the in the scene. <laughs> all right, all right. 
But yeah, so he watches his dad get beaten in a fight that he was the favourite to win. Um, his dad gets home and gives him some scotch to steady his hand while he stitches up his dad's face. And now, no, that was the second fight. No, that was definitely at this point. Definitely at this point. I thought he stitched him up when he was blind. Nope, this was uh, at this point before before he was blind. Because you can tell he's not blind because the way his eyes are looking around. Okay, all right. And he's still doing his homework because this is before he's learned his braille and whatnot. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, Matt's dad insists that he does his homework before bed. Um, Matt's dad has an envelope full of cash for losing. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that he threw the fight. And because he does mention them, um, sometimes even when you lose, you still win. And they say, it ain't how you hit the mat, it's how you get up. Right. So, and, and I mean, that is uh, definitely something that we're familiar with from the comics. Um, his dad did uh, take bribes to throw fights in the comics from time to time. Now, uh, okay, so back in the present day, uh, we see Karen tidying the office and <laughs> she hears Foggy singing really, really badly. <laughs> and loud. And loud, very loud, yes. I don't know why he's singing. He's, he's not like... Because, I mean, most people will sing along to music and Foggy's just singing away to himself really badly. <laughs> and it's, Some people think they can sing. Yeah, Foggy thinks he's awesome. <laughs> Which is not. <laughs> you know, and I like this scene between Karen and Foggy. And I don't remember who hooks up with Karen in the comic. If they both do at certain points... Um, no, I, I can't I remember rem- off the top of my head. You know, at one point I think Karen was Matt's girlfriend, but then I think later on she like married Foggy or something to that effect. Or right. I, I, but uh, there's chemistry between Foggy and Karen. Yes, there's a there's a kind of awkward chemistry between them. Yeah. Like Foggy is a he's a bit fumbly with his words as well, and I I thought the actor did a much better job in in this episode than in the first episode. He was much more believable in the mm-hmm. in the role of the character, and he's obviously been grown into it a little bit. Now he says to Karen that yeah, she should be out doing poppers and flabber dancing. <laughs> yeah. He, he... Foggy's got he's got Foggy down yeah. and uh, he says that he is awkward and unfashionable which is uh, two things that can't be said about her which is his little chat of line mm-hmm. um, they can't stay at the offices because they can't afford to keep the lights on past midnight so they decide to go out drinking instead well, that sounds amazing <laughs> I wish my boss would do that <laughs> now uh Matt, then we then see Matt waking up in Rosario Dawson's apartment, which we I'm just calling her that because we that's the act, actress's name. We don't know the name of her character at this point. Uh, she's seen his face and she tells him that his outfit kind of sucks and he says that it's a work in progress, which is obviously a nod to the fact that he he will don a red suit at some point in the future. Unfortunately, that has been spoiled on Facebook and Twitter. And Netflix. <laughs> if, okay. If you like, well, certainly over here. If you go on Netflix now, um, the picture of uh, the picture that's associated with the show—it's a picture of him in the suit, which I was like, ah, because I didn't want it. I didn't want. I wanted to see it organically, but so be it. Now, uh, 
Uh, Matt tries to move, but he's in enormous pain. He's got two or three broken ribs, a probable concussion, a puncture wound, and his eyes are non-responsive to light. Either he's blind or in way worse shape than uh, Rosario Dawson thought. <laughs> and he says, do I have to pick one? <laughs> uh, he refuses to tell her about himself. Um, she's managed to patch him up, but she wants to take him to the hospital so she can do x-rays and whatnot on him so she can assess his internal injuries. Apparently it's her night off, and she doesn't really want a blind dude in a mask to die on her couch. And <laughs> She says that when he asks if she's a doctor, she says she's something like that. <laughs> she's like, you're a nurse. <laughs> you're clearly a nurse. Why not just say, I'm a nurse? <laughs> Well, he's not sharing. Why should she? Yeah, that's true. Uh, he mentions that most people would have called the cops if they'd found him. And asks, uh, he asks, why is she helping him? And she obviously replies, the less you know about me, the better. <laughs> However, she does tell him that her name is Claire. And she decides to call him Mike. So he won't tell her his real name. Now, apparently she used to date a guy called Mike, who it turns out was very good at keeping secrets too. No, he was stepping out on her. <laughs> well, I actually took this to mean something entirely different from that. Now we're in the Marvel Cinematic Universe here, and we do have a character called Mike in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, Mister Agent Mike Peterson, aka Deathlock. I think she no, did Mike. No, no, I no. think she did. No, no, yep, no, <laughs> not happening. I don't see why not. They don't live that far apart. He, New York and L.A.? Well, there is... The, there is. It's not that far apart. It's not as if they're a different country. <laughs> Same country. I think it's I think it's shorter for me to get to your house <laughs> than it is for me to get to L.A. Yeah, but what's the she She didn't used to live in L.A. or he didn't used to live in New York when they were Hold younger? Hold on. I think that's Mike, Mike Peterson. Deathlock. There's my theory. <laughs> But yeah, we did see another flashback. Um, young young Matt, <laughs> young Matt wakes up in a hospital blind, but his uh, hearing is overwhelming him. In the present day, Matt wakes up and he cannot breathe. He he's got a collapsed lung. Uh, Claire sorts it for him by inserting a valve into him and releasing the air from his chest. Uh, Matt tells Claire about the Russians kidnapping the boy and his attempts to save him. Basically, it was all just a setup to trap him, and he didn't manage to find the kid. No, I thought it was quite interesting though, and, that, and that's that's kind of how I realised that it was just a random guy that they picked up. <laughs> they were like, "Well, if we just kidnap this guy, this child, then yeah. hopefully this daredevil guy will come and try and rescue him, and we can just kill him." <laughs> Which is like, okay, that's a solid plan there, Mister Russians. <laughs> and it sounds like shield logic to me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it worked for them somewhat. <laughs> Yeah, well, he heard the scream, and then, you know, he pulls the mask down over his eyes and yep. jumps off the building. Yep. And at this point, um, Matt smells a man going door-to-door in the building asking questions. Apparently he smells him because he's got some really strong cologne on him. He really likes the cologne. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt is very good at taking a beating. Apparently he got it from his dad. And we then see a flashback where uh, Matt listens to his dad sparring at the gym whilst he learns to read Braille. Now, a couple of suits come in to see Jack, who's Matt's dad, and inform him that they've arranged a match for him against Creel, who is, obviously, uh, Carl Crusher Creel, who will go on to become the Absorbing Man, and we have indeed seen him in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2. Yep. Which is a cool little callback, because in the comics he was a boxer before he became a supervillain. 
And according to my uh, somebody on the show, uh, Battling Jack Murdoch did fight Carl Crusher Creel in the Daredevil graphic novel Daredevil Yellow. Yes. So it's it's quite a quite a cool little little reference there. Although we we didn't actually get to see any of the fight <laughs> or get to see Carl Crusher Creel in the program, which I would assume is because uh, they couldn't get the actor to do it. I don't know. I you know I read something somewhere saying that there's uh, for Carl uh, or for Carl Crusher Creel to appear, the actor uh, is way too old. To pull mm-hmm. off a twenty-year-old, okay, yeah. that they would have had to get somebody else, mm. but still, you know, uh, yeah, I would, I would have liked to actually have seen him. Yeah, I didn't think that we really needed to see it because obviously, um, Matt was blind by this point, so he wouldn't have he wouldn't have seen it either. Fair enough. So I kind of took it to be like a little nod towards that, and you know, we're seeing it from Matt's flashback yep. memory, so. Yeah, that works. So, yeah, uh, they've, these guys have managed to arrange a fight for him against Creel. And... However. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, however. How, but, no, no bef- before you get... Well, all right, go. Yeah. But, yeah, apparently uh, this is quite a big deal. Like, uh, Creel is... Uh, he's a young guy, but he's right at the top of the uh, at the top of his game so he is one of the, he's one of the the big re- the wrestlers <laughs> he said wrestlers uh, the big boxers at this time um however there is a caveat to this uh, fight he has to drop in the fifth that is the arrangement that they've made um jack declines the offer however because he's got other things to worry about namely matt but these two guys kind of they kind of vaguely threaten him and his family, so he then reluctantly agrees to go down the fifth. Right. Now, um, you, you were going to mention something else there? Actually, a little further on, but I'll bring it up now. Yep. Because uh, we're going by the fact that uh, Matt hears the fight. He doesn't actually see it. Yep. And I think, I think that's a great uh, point that you made there because... If he was able to watch the one on television when he was when uh, he had his sight, and then only hear this one, mm. that's great. But they also have the scene of Jack walking down uh, the the corridor into the arena. Yep. Which obviously Matt never saw, knew, or anything like that. Mm-hmm, Just yeah. getting ready for the fight. So um, while they did a great job. You know, in one instance, if they if they hadn't put that scene of Jack walking into the arena where Matt was nowhere, you know, knew nothing about that, would have no memory of it. That I think that would have uh, made it that then we could get away with him just listening to the fight. Well, you can kind of imagine that as him picturing his dad walking down the tunnel because he would have heard the announcers like saying his name and whatnot. Mm. But yeah, yeah. but yeah, then um, show me the fight, or at, least, <laughs> or at least give me thirty seconds of the fight of Jack knocking out Creel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so because mm-hmm. he he could imagine that too. He could, yeah, I suppose if he's if he's going to imagine his dad walking down the tunnel, he can imagine his dad fighting. Yeah, and you know, with his enhanced senses and radar, whatever. I'm not sure. I'm I I'm not sure if. Uh, 
uh, Daredevil can actually pick up images just from their heat signatures on the television alone. Well, I definitely not at that point. You know, like he he was still learning to control these. Okay. Uh, I'll give him that. At that point. So definitely not at that point. All right. Um, but yeah, back in the present day, an NYPD officer, uh, Detective Foster, uh, knocks on Claire's door. He tells her some dickhead in a black mask shot up a bodega, and the owner put up a fight. And the perp left a trail of blood leading in this direction. Uh, she claims she hasn't seen anything, and he's like, "Yeah, okay," and then leaves. However, uh, Daredevil heals the guy, <laughs> reach into his pocket, grab his phone and whatnot, and realizes that the guy didn't believe her. Uh, the cop places a call on his phone, and now I couldn't tell what line- language he was speaking here. I don't know if it was Spanish or Russian. I yeah. think it was. I think it was Russian because I'm sure he had like a kind of Russianish accent, but it was kind of hard to tell. And so Daredevil drops a fire extinguisher on his head when he gets to the ground floor, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, it was great. He grabs the thing. You see him take the the fire extinguisher over to the side of the rail. Yep. You can see the, you know, that it's like five, six stories down, but there's uh, a walkway through the center of the, the stairwell. And then uh, as the guy gets down, all of a sudden Daredevil drops it and uh, we don't see him hit or him get hit, but then we see the body on the ground. Yeah, and it was just like, wow, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. It was also kind of amusing. Just, <laughs> yep, <laughs> but it it was a great way, great way to show his abilities. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, apparently someone else is watching them as well. He's uh, young and scared. It's uh, Santino who is the dude that found Daredevil at the start of the episode, who has also seen him without his mask. Uh, that guy runs off. And they are going to take the detective up to the roof. <laughs> now, uh, we then see Foggy and Karen going to a bar, which is called uh, Josie's. They've been out drinking for a few hours now, and this is their final stop. Uh, they've been trying to call Matt, but he's not answering his phone. And this is definitely not a date. <laughs> I Karen, love the denial. Yeah, I know. Uh, Karen doesn't want to talk about what happened. She can't get the... However, she can't get the blood out of her carpet. And the attacker that attacked her dented her wall when uh, she, when he threw her into, when he threw her head into the wall. <laughs> uh, Foggy offers to help her. And his cousin does, does drywall. <laughs> uh, Karen apparently sees threats everywhere, even when there, even when there are none. Anyway, Foggy kind of goes around the room at this point and he tells her that most of the people in the bar are safe people. Except for one Except for, except one for guy. that guy. <laughs> except for that guy. Just and we're up. rehabilitating him. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll fix him. <laughs> and they then at this point decide that they're going to stay out all night drinking and, uh, <laughs> and, and whatnot. It's a pretty funny little scene between them. Uh, like, they're, they're sitting at the bar getting drunk and I think it was... Uh, when I say it was tequila they were drinking, I couldn't well, quite I couldn't quite see the bottle. Yeah, I mean, they said, what is that, an eel at the bottom yeah. of the b- bottle? Mm-hmm. And the only bottle that I know that has any type of creature at the bottom of it. Mm. Um, and it's been a long time since I've drank hard alcohol like that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, shot-wise. Yeah. Um, it's tequila. Mm. You know, good tequila has the worm at the bottom of the bottle. Or an or an eel if it's bad tequila. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, it's like what the hell? Alcohol has an eel at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, 
But yeah, we then see uh, Daredevil and uh, Claire. Have and you she... ever eaten the worm? No, I, I don't drink tequila. Tequila is bad news <laughs> for me. So, so is the worm. I did it once. <laughs> once. At, a gradu- at my high school or a joint uh, high school graduation party. <laughs> I prefer my alcohol with uh, no creatures li- well, yeah. no creatures dead or alive in it. <laughs> they broke out the bottle, and it was like, whatever we do, mm. whatever happens when we, because there was two worm tequila, mm. uh, one of those worms is mine. <laughs> I don't remember anything after that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, they live in Claire, uh, string up the detective on the roof, and they wait for him to wake up. Daredevil uh, listens to his uh, heartbeat and his breathing and whatnot, and uh, yeah, he's definitely not faking. It turns out that Claire helped him because she had she'd kind of heard rumors and things about him before, and how a man in a black mask had been helping people in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, she's been hearing people talk about him in the hospital, uh, criminals that he's beaten up, and people that he's saved. Now, again, we see a flashback at this point. Uh, young Matt can now read Braille pretty well. Uh, his dad gets the new really red boxing outfit, um, what is it you call that? Like the it's a robe. A robe. That's the word. I was like, what is it you call it? <laughs> Boxing robe, uh, which has battling Jack Murdock on the back of it, and looks cool. And I think it had the horns on it. I can't remember. I didn't pick up on no. that. But um, yeah, uh, we're Mur- we're Murdochs. We get hit a lot, but we always get up, right, Dad? And this kind of triggers the little the little voice in uh, in Jack's head. And we then see him making a call and changing his bet with his bookie, whose name is Ed, uh, to betting himself. He's going to bet himself to win by knockout, and he tells the bookie to immediately. Or I don't know if it's his bookie or if like if it's the guy that places his illicit bets for him or whatnot. Because obviously, Jack won't be allowed to bet in his own fight. Right. <laughs> like he can't be seen betting in his own fight. So he tells this guy to immediately cash out and deposit the money into an account in Matt's name. Jack at this point also calls his, uh, I believe it's his wife, who would be Matt's mum, and leaves a message telling her that Matt's going to need her more than ever. Uh, he wants Matt to hear people cheering for him, which is a nice a nice mm-hmm. thought. And he realises that if if he doesn't do what these guys want him to do, he's going to be in the shit from them. Now, uh, cutting back to the present day, Karen and Foggy knock on Matt's door. Very, very, very drunk. Uh, they plan to go to the fish market to buy a bluefin. <laughs> uh, Matt doesn't answer because well, because he's not there. However, they do wake up uh, his neighbour, who is not happy at all at them. <laughs> no. Um, Matt doesn't answer the door, so they leave. They've got two hours to kill, I presume, before the fish market opens. So they decide that they should uh, brush up on some Japanese auctioneering terms. Which is not what I would do to kill two hours when I'm drunk. <laughs> Not when you have a hot blonde on your arm, no. No. <laughs> no but this um, isn't a date. Yeah, no, this is not definitely not a date. And there's a couple of good cool lines in here. Um, Karen says, we must never sleep. <laughs> and Foggy says, uh, the, the city will protect us, and the, the city is beautiful. Which are, uh, which is a couple of nice little lines, even though the city is probably not that beautiful just now because it's still recovering in the wake of the Battle of New York. Now, meanwhile, up on the up on this rooftop, the, uh, the detective guy uh, finally wakes up. Daredevil and Claire, who Claire is now wearing um, a, a weird mask, which is 
just made on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what she made out of. Like, it's, it seems to be a bit of a hoodie or something. Pro- yeah, that or a pillowcase or something. Yeah. But Charlie like, Brown costume. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a, if you threw a sheet over your head, like pretend to be a ghost with eye holes, that sort of thing. And they ask uh, they ask this guy some questions. Uh, Daredevil obviously will know if he lies due to his heartbeat. Uh, the guy, the detective, tells him that the boy is dead, which is a lie. Everybody also tells him that they sell children to people who will buy children, <laughs> which presumably I was just. Apparently there's a market for that, which is worrying. Um, but that is not a lie. Claire, uh, Claire however, tells um, uh, tells Daredevil to stab the guy in his, I think it was his tricranial nerve. Which is and, just behind the eye. Yep, just behind the eye, basically. And she shows him where it is. Now, this this won't kill him, which I would have thought it, if you stab somebody in the in the brain, basically, it would it would kill you, but apparently not. It's uh, safe to stab someone there and, <laughs> and not kill them. But put them in excruciating pain. Now, uh, this this doesn't quite work in terms of uh, him telling them, them the information. So Daredevil holds the guy over the edge of the building. And he tells him that he's not just doing this because of the boy. He also enjoys doing it. Uh, the cop tells him that the boy is being held underneath a restaurant at 11th and, 4th, and, uh, 11th and 44. Daredevil then throws him off the building into the dumpster that he was in earlier on. <laughs> Which I was like, holy shit, he just killed that guy. But apparently um, the guy is actually okay. And Daredevil listens down and he hears that he's, uh, his heart is still beating and he'll live. But he'll be back, so Claire needs to get her things and leave. Which is... Uh, which is a bit kind of shit that she's going to have to upload, uh, uproot her whole life just because of Daredevil. Hey, she she helped him out. And <laughs> yeah, she, put her, she put herself in this situation. Yep, she's got to deal with the consequences. Yep. Uh, apparently she's cat sitting for a friend, so she'll go there. Uh, Daredevil gets the address off of her so that he can go and find her later. Just in case he's beaten up and needs to be patched up again. Uh, just in case he needs a booty call yeah. to make him feel better. <laughs> She doesn't. Uh, however, she doesn't believe that he enjoys what he does. Uh, she thinks that he was lying when he said that, and I, I was kind of in agreement with her a little bit because I don't know that he necessarily enjoys doing it. I, I think that he he knows that these things have to be done, but I don't know that he enjoys doing it. Uh, I think he feels that maybe he enjoys it in providing some type of justice. Yeah. to bad people and making sure they get what they deserve and inflict pain on them like they have inflicted on this guy's father and this kid. Yeah. And we then get another flashback at this point where we see Batlin Jack uh, walking down the tunnel when his name's announced and whatnot. And we see young Matt listening to the fight on the TV and we hear the announcer say that Murdoch knocks out Car Crusher Creel. Uh, we hear the we hear the crowd chanting Murdoch's name as he gets his gear from his locker, which is uh, obviously what Jack mentioned that he wanted Matt to hear this. And it's kind of cool that he he gets to he gets to hear it himself. We then see um, Matt being awoken by a gunshot. He runs outside and he comes across two policemen who initially stop him. However, one of the cops lets him through because he's blind. 
and Matt then finds his dad's body. Now, this cop, right, why does he let him through? Totally baffled me. He's like, what does it matter? He's blind. I was like, well, there's a fucking yeah, dead the, body the, there. That's like, not the reason, and... Yeah, even if it is your dad, usually they don't let you touch the body and contaminate the crime scene. No, and and obviously, even though the kid's blind, it's still going to traumatize him. Yeah, like, <laughs> and did you see him like putting his hands all over his dad's face and asking his dad to wake up and all that sort of stuff, which which is pretty harrowing for a young kid like that. Yeah. So I definitely felt sorry for him. The, the cop could have done him a solid and just kept him out of the way at that point. And held him and let him cry and yep. you know your your typical my father is has been killed scene. Yes, like we've exactly. Seen so yeah, a little shield logic going on here. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, bad policing there. Definitely bad policing. Uh, back in the present day, we see a Russian gun taking the uh, kidnapped child some food, and he returns to play poker with some of his buddies. Uh, one of those guys leaves the room, and we see Daredevil walking in with his hands kind of all taped up yeah he he like puts his hand on one of the walls which i would assume is his way of uh listening and like feeling out the how many people in a room and whatnot and where they all are so he enters one of the doors and beats up all the guns and when the poker guns come out to see what the commotion is he beats them all up, up all up as well despite his injuries now this scene was freaking awesome <laughs> It was all right. I mean, I saw IGN oh. saying it was the you know one of the best fight scenes ever. First of all, it reminded me of a bad video game <laughs> in terms of, you know, he would beat a guy up, he'd be laying on the floor, and then about 10 seconds later, the guy would get up again, and he'd have to beat him up again. Um, well, he's recovered. You know, like he's, he's, he's knocked the window at the guy. It makes sense. You People, know, I kind of liked the off-scene fight. You know, where like all of a sudden someone comes flying through, uh, you know, the door smashes and the guy comes flying into the hallway and hits his head on the other wall. And yep. that was cool. Um, the off scene, you know, and this would happen a couple times where they would go into the room and then somebody would just come flying out of the doorway. And I thought that was I, I, I like that. Um, but. Uh, it was sort of horde mode using a video game term <laughs> of these where, you know, the, these guys would just keep getting up and it just, you know, it, it there was a lot of cool uh, fight choreography. I will give it that. But at the same time, it was just the way that they kept getting up to go get pummeled by him again. Um, you know, why didn't somebody, you know, if, if he's fighting on the other end of the hallway, which happened a couple of times, pull out your gun and shoot him. Uh, <laughs> you know, think there were, so it was a bit contrived for me, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, it, yes, it was a great action scene and it did show off Daredevil's skills. However, at the same time, he doesn't have super healing and, an hour or two ago, he had a knife wound to the chest, a punctured lung, a concussion. Um, a couple of broken ribs as a, well. A couple yeah. of broken ribs. And here, you know, and here, he, you know, it's not like he was wearing a flak jacket. No, and you, I mean, you do see him at a few points during this scene, like, yeah. get Wins. those stuff and knocked out of him and he's and end up on the floor and then have to recover and whatnot. Yeah. But um, do you know what I, what I really liked about this scene? Like, I, I don't know if if you noticed this, but this scene it was all filmed in one shot. 
that yeah. like for to choreograph a fight scene like that and do it all in one shot that is incredible yeah there were no cuts no cuts whatsoever from him walking into him then uh, walking out when when he goes at the end of the scene he goes into the room gets takes his mask off and uh, he carries the kid out with him to take him back to his dad that whole scene was filmed in one shot which is really really cool that they did that and I thought the, the whole scene was brilliant like and even I know you, I know you're not too happy with the guys getting up in that but that's kind of what would happen like I find that a lot of shows like this sort of thing that have this sort of violence will show people getting knocked, getting punched once and they're knocked out and that's them down and that's them um, KO'd for the rest of the scene the rest of the rest of the day the rest of the episode well I mean if you're knocked out and granted yes you can be only knocked out for 30 seconds but when you come to I don't think that your first uh, instinct is to punch the guy. It would be, uh, A, you're probably too woozy. I'd probably be trying to run, get the hell out of there. Or (laughs) go run and get my gun or go get the kid and use him as a hostage. But they did try and shoot him a few times during the scene as well. And there was quite a a few shots fired and uh, he managed to either dodge them or kick the guns away and whatnot. It just felt a little contrived or maybe too many of them got up. Maybe that's it, it. It was like showing Daredevil as like a total, total yeah. badass. Like he, uh, I mean, that was what probably twelve guys maybe that he took on whilst injured. <laughs> so, and he didn't have too much trouble like beating them all. No, no, it, it showed it showed that Daredevil's a badass, and uh, but you know, there's a little suspension of belief here, especially with how injured he was just a couple hours ago. Um, but you know, I'm being picky, yep. uh, overall, because we only have a couple minutes here. So I want to try and keep, try and keep this to at least an hour 35 at this point. Um, the first two episodes were all right. I, I, I've seen the third one. I know we don't get any more flashbacks, at least in the third episode. And I'm kind of glad the quote unquote origin stuff is done. For now, um, you know, you still need to explain where uh, Matt got all his uh, jujitsu fi- fighting skills, but I think we'll get to that sometime in the next few episodes. Um, I still think the show is a little on the dark side in terms of just it's dark, you know, everything, there's not many bright scenes in this show. Um, a lot of it takes place at night, I understand. Uh, the production quality not as high as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Higher than Powers, but you know, you can sort of see some budget restraints in there in terms of what they've shown so far. Um, well, there's no, there's no CGI. No, and there doesn't that. need to be CGI, but just even no. the quality of the sets sometimes was meh. Um, but they are actually filming it in Hell's Kitchen. And yep. uh, I've been to Hell's Kitchen. When I uh, go to Comic-Con, I stay in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> you know, and hey, I'm not a fan of big cities or New York in general, other than to, for, to do certain things. Uh, you know, cities are kind of dingy places, so maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. Um, A little slow. My wife said, I think uh, maybe they could have 
put a few more edits in and, you know, knock the time of each episode down a few minutes because it's a little. Yeah, the first episode especially was 53 minutes long. Right. And that's 53 minutes without a commercial break. Um, you know, even to DV, you know, even if you're watching it on DVR to fast forward through, uh, it still, you know, gives you that 10 second, uh, disconnect. <laughs> well, I mean, or, that, that doesn't affect me cause I, I, like, I never watch, uh, shows with the commercials in them anyway. I always get the versions when the commercials are cut out. Okay. But, so I'm used to watching shows like in these sort of 45 minute blocks. So that, that didn't bother me. I, I would say the first episode did seem a little bit stretched out. And especially after watching the second episode, I would say there was almost no need for the first episode whatsoever. They pretty much just covered everything in the second episode that they covered in the first episode again. But they did it better. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, that they could have done with maybe a little more judicious editing. Uh, I like Charlie Cox. Yep. I, I like Foggy and his relation and his, uh, the chemistry between him and Matt and him and Karen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's, it, the show is not, not only is it dark in, uh, picture quality, but it, it's dark. And Daredevil, yeah. one of the reasons I was never a big Daredevil fan is it's a pretty serious, somber uh, story. And I think you need Foggy there to, adju- you know, it, we're not getting the gr- we're not getting the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. one liners or, you know, that <laughs> uh, that, you know, all of the Marvel movies have always had some. Some uh, have been fairly lighthearted to an extent. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, and this has none of that. So you need Foggy there just to break up the tension, the melancholy, and um, the somberness of what is going on. So I, I, I think he's very much needed. And I'll be interested to see where it goes. But, you know, but the action scenes are absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. I mean, I wasn't like totally after watching the first episode, I was kind of like, yeah, this is good. I want to watch the second episode, but I thought the second episode was brilliant. And like I said, I've watched the third. I got to watch it again. Mm. Um, I'm kind of like half watching it the first time through, and then going on the second time, going through and picking up on things. Now, supposedly there was an Iron Fist reference. I did not. I, I kind of rewound it because supposedly the truck was supposed to be Rand Chemicals, but I didn't pick up on the the sign. No, I mean we we did. Uh, I think we did speak about that on Age Shieldcast mm-hmm. before, because um, that had come out before uh, before it had actually before the episodes had gone up. Right. But I didn't uh, like. I didn't look to pause it or anything at that point. <laughs> and I know Claire has some connection to either. Um, J- Jessica Jones, or to one of the other shows. Okay, so my my theory with uh, with Claire is uh, I don't know if you remember in the comics there was a character called I believe it was the Night Nurse. That's her. Yep. Yep. 
and uh, she would basically help out the superheroes yeah. when they when they got into when they got injured and whatnot. So they didn't have to go to the um, the oh, hospitals and reveal their secret identities yeah. and whatnot. And that all could obviously end up tying into uh, the Civil War. Okay. Yeah. Which could be interesting because obviously now that we have Daredevil, we have a hero whose identity is not known. Finally. <laughs> For now, yeah, and <laughs> and, and that that's one of the things that uh, I'm I'm hoping they do, you know, in uh, the D, in the DC television universe, everybody, well, now everybody really does know who Arrow is, and <laughs> you know, it's like uh, the Flash. Almost everybody now knows who the Flash is, except Iris. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, the public at large doesn't know of it. Well, Arrow, they do. They announced it on... And that, so, oh, Arrow, they do, yeah, yeah but not, not, but, not Flash. But, I mean, the whole, you know... And, you know, these are... In uh, the DC universe, secret identities are the worst-kept secrets. Yeah. So, um, but, all right. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Yep. Please, uh, if you get a chance, you can leave us reviews over on iTunes under Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. You can mark them Daredevil. Uh, you can put your Daredevil thoughts over on our Facebook page. We'll read them on the air, both reviews and comments, and use the Agents of Shield Cast Twitter feed. These, you know, this is all going to be available on the Agents of Shield Cast Stitcher and iTunes feed, and the shows are uh, clearly going to be labeled "Men with Fear." Uh, I don't have any cool tagline for this yet, um, <laughs> but. We will be back next week when we uh, discuss episodes three and four. And uh, we'll see you next week. Make mine Marvel. There we go. All right. (laughs) Good night, guys.